Welcome back to Ever Ancient, Ever New, the podcast in which we search for the hidden gems amongst the forgotten treasures of the church. I'm Father Kyle Kowalsik, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Dylan Micah. Hello. Hello, Dylan. Great to, great to have you with us. Um, Dylan is a uh, recent convert. Uh, I've recently had the privilege of uh, bringing him into the church and confirming him here at St. Maximilian Colby. And uh, it's fun to have uh, guests on the podcast, especially when the guests were listeners. And and I think this podcast was actually helpful in your your formation and your conversion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's great. The the podcast works. There we there we go. Uh, this, that, I mean, that does really I mean, to me, that makes it's like that's why I do it for for people to. It's so helpful because I think when I met you, I said, hey, here's here's a podcast. Uh, I think I think it'll be helpful for you, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of what we talk about is kind of the questions that uh, we ask as new Catholics or not yet Catholics or old Catholics, and uh, so that's a a real a real blessing, a real grace. Um, and uh, yeah, so I wanted to have Dylan on today to just talk a little bit about your conversion, your background, your story. Um, I remember the first time we met, you showed up at St. Maximilian Colby. I think I had an email from you before that said something like, I'm I'm in college, I want to become Catholic. And I was like, great. And then you showed up and uh, grabbed me after mass. And I said, oh, yeah, good. And I said, let's say a prayer. And, you know, I f- close my eyes and say the sign of the cross and we do the prayer. And then I open my eyes and do the sign of the cross. And you're just standing there with your arms dangling at your side. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy is green. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Didn't, didn't really know what to do there. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this like, yeah, the, yeah. What do you mean? You, you remember that first, that first visit? Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's funny saying all of this again. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, we just, we just recorded this and then we had technical difficulties. So now we're trying to sound casual and relaxed and like, we're having this conversation for the first time and uh, not trying to remember what did I say again? That worked out so well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was like my first or second mass and showed up and I was totally freaked out by what was going on. I didn't really understand the rituals, didn't understand like, what's all this Latin? This is so scary. And uh, everyone was making the sign of the cross and I did it with my left hand. I just uh, started uh. burning with embarrassment. It's just, I wanted to run out right there. So. <laughs> I'm sure nobody else noticed either. Mm-hmm. You start getting glares from the side, like, oh, Mr. Left hand sign of the cross over here. That's what it felt like. I was like, oh no, because that was sort of my perception of catholicism before i started really delving into it it was like this super serious thing and everyone knows what they're doing and everyone is making sure everyone else knows what they're doing and they're keeping each other in line so it it was kind of scary at first but i realized recently that um i had been saying i'd been doing the sign of the cross backwards for like up until I was uh, 12 or 13, I think. So because the, the priest, when he blesses you, he goes up from top to down to left to right, his left, your right. So if you're if you're mirroring him, which seemed to make sense, still seems to make sense to me, um, you know, I'm tracing it on you. Why are you tracing it backwards? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I, was, I was going my right to my left. And then I realized at one point, I forget how... Um, that it's it's left first right first 
but then later I found out, well, that's what the Eastern uh, right churches do. So I think I think we're, we're all in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, if you see little kids do the sign of the cross, I had the pre-K coming to school and the in the church the other day and said, dip one finger in the holy water, not your whole hand, one finger and make the sign of the cross. And it's so funny and cute. You know, it's like the diamond, uh, the sign of the diamond, and, you know, or the, you know, like forget the head and just go both shoulders back and forth or, you know, some, some, some pattern, you know, the triangle left down, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's hilarious, but, but that was, um, that's, that's funny that that's your, your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that was your, where, where was your first mass? Was that your first mass? Yeah, that you, was, went, oh, you went to St. Max your first time yep, too? Yep, okay. Right. Well, okay. I guess I'd been to a couple, like my whole extended family is Catholic. Oh, so okay. I'd been to a couple of masses before. Um, like once when I was like nine and once when I was probably 16, oh, so sure, sure. I wasn't super familiar with it, but I wasn't familiar with it at all. As far as I was concerned, it was just another denomination of Christianity and it was pretty samey. I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you grew up in uh Lutheran and was it a particular synod confession? Uh, it was ELCA. Okay. So, so you grew up ELCA and, um, yeah, I mean, what was, what was kind of, uh, yeah, what was your experience growing up? Yeah, um, it was pretty on and off for the most part. Um, not just like Christmas and Easter only mm-hmm. kind of people or anything like that. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was every Sunday. Um, it wasn't something that occupied my mind the whole week. It was just, oh, it's Sunday. I should probably go to church. Maybe I'll feel better about the way things are going. And that's about it. Uh, I felt very half-hearted and... Um, I just, I didn't feel too engaged with it altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in middle school and maybe a couple of years in high school, I was super deep into it. Not so much for the religion or the denomination itself. Not like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Trinity Lutheran Church in Long Lake. This is so great. Wasn't anything like that. Just like, a, I need to be closer to God for mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. More of that sort of thing. So that's, that's interesting. Um you know, because this is this is the double-edged sword of Catholicism. I have to go to Mass on Sunday as a mm-hmm. Catholic. And I remember growing up and having that, like, I I don't want to go, but I have to go. And I remember saying to my mom one time, like, why do I have to go to Mass? Why do we have to go to Mass? I don't mind going. I just don't want to have to go. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think your experience has, has been kind of like, actually, to have to go, it's really freeing. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, definitely up there for reasons why I wanted to come in. Um, Just the accountability aspect, Hmm. especially when it comes to confession. Just the fact that before you even go, you should really take some time to just reflect and understand what it is that you need to go into confession for. And, um, you know, it's, to me at least, it's just as much of a spiritual thing as it is a personal growth thing and Mm. uh you know that affects my spiritual life going forward um afterwards so i just think it's really beautiful you know i think this is really important because this is this is the crux of some because i I think you know uh my my sentiment as a as a child isn't uncommon uh and we kind of live in a world more and more we're like don't tell me what to do Mm -hmm. you know yeah and um and to you know, I mean, like this is this is really the essence of something like marriage, you know, and, and some people can say, like, well, 
why would I get married? Why can't I just show my commitment by how I live my life? And, you know, I'm going to remain faithful. Why do I have to, you know, get this piece of paper that says it or do this ceremony? And, um, you know, it's, it's like, well, yeah, but let's, let's make you have to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pledge, I'm going to say this in front of God and my friends and family that I'm all in, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, because I actually need that uh, reminder and security. And because, because like right now, I feel like it right now, like you had this phase where, yeah, I want to go to church, you know, mm-hmm. like you're gonna have a phase where, yeah, I want to love my wife. And then you're gonna have a phase where I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to love my wife. I actually want to love that woman instead. <laughs> you know, um, I actually want to sleep in. I actually want to go to that football game. But to have the thing that says, I, ha- I have to go. Yep. I mean, this is like, so what, <laughs> what, what do people struggle more with waking up really early to take a holy hour or go to an early morning mass or waking up really early to go to their job? Mm. I, definitely to go to the holy hour. Yeah. Like, because absolutely, I don't, I don't have to go. Place. Yeah. You know, but I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I, people struggle with this all. I've talked to so many people who, you know, they had an early morning job for, you know, a good spell, you know, have to be at work at 530 or mm-hmm. something. Um, now they don't have that job. And do they get up yeah. at 530 for prayer? Oh, no. You know what? That was me like junior, senior year of high school. Like I had this job where I had to wake up at four in the morning because I had to drive out to Minneapolis and be there super early uh, to get started with everything. But that was also the same time where I started like falling out of that hardcore, like, yeah, I need to have a relationship with God. And Sunday would just be the sleep in day. Mm. Just the, all right, I get to take a break before I got to get up at 4 a.m. for work again. Yeah. And uh, that made my spiritual life suffer, honestly. I, I mean, pretty much until I started searching for more answers as to what I wanted to do with my spiritual life um i was pretty far removed from all of that after that so yeah 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 i think i mean this is this is similar to you know like so why would somebody join a, a monastery or a convent sometimes we think like whoa they're like they're so amazing they're so disciplined uh actually i lived in a monastery and um, the reason why a lot of us are there is because we need the mm. we need the formality of you have to wake up here and you have to pray here and you have to do this here. And yeah. You have to do this here because um, I mean, I, I literally remember we had a pretty rigid fasting schedule and um, but then during the octave of Christmas, all bets were off. Mm. I mean, we could, we could eat whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Mm. And because there wasn't any rules, a lot of us just did myself included very much like, Oh, ice cream. And Oh, you know, candy bars. And Oh, you know, I'm like eating whatever. And I remember at the end of the week, one of the brothers were sitting around, somebody had just brought us like, you know, a bunch of, I mean, like seriously, like 10 half gallons of ice cream, Mm -hmm. which the active Christmas was ending. So the next day we're back to our fasting schedule. So it's like, we have to eat this ice cream tonight or we don't get to eat it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we're all like, have a, have a whole half gallon of ice cream that we're just trying to plow down. And, um, and I remember one of the guys going, anybody else glad that tomorrow is a fast day? And we're all like, yeah, cause we need, we need the, the discipline of the rule for sure. 
because self-discipline is is actually really really hard yeah you know especially in the long term like your whole life um that is probably the number one thing why i decided to start looking into catholicism instead of more protestant denominations or other religions or what have you just if i like my logic was if i really believe in an all-powerful all-loving god who i need to worship well well okay i'm clearly and i do believe in that god i'm already failing at Mm. worshiping properly i'm already slipping out of it in spite of these firmly held beliefs so i need something some systems in place that'll hold me accountable um when i'm when i'm in those times where it's just it's just more difficult than usual yeah so yeah no that's i I think that's that's great uh and you know like you know i i I think that like hopefully we, we we need we need those structures until until we don't anymore Mm. but for for most of us for most of our lives we need them i mean i'm at a point in my my life now um and being a priest is you know i i show up on sunday morning not because um i have to although there is a part where like i actually have to be at this particular church at this particular time (laughs) you know um but I don't, I don't think anymore. I don't, you know, like my, you know, daily mass or my daily prayer. I don't think like, ah, should I do this today or not? It's like, no, I'm just, just do it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, but even, even that said, you know, if all, like I have to pray the breviary uh, four, uh, five times a day, you know, and that's a, that's a requirement. That's a sin. If I don't do it, I made a promise to to say that it's a grave sin if I don't do it. Um, and if, if all of a sudden the, the, pope said oh yeah priests don't have to pray the breviary anymore there's part of me that likes praying the breviary and it's it's fruitful and it's good it's spread out through the day but sometimes it's really inconvenient i have to stuff it in between a few things it's not done very prayerfully or reverently it's just rushed um and i can't honestly say that if i didn't have to do it that i would do it every single day Mm -hmm. i i I think that i think there's a, a good chance that i would start to slip and then eventually I'd slip enough that, yeah, I mean, I'm, bar- I'm barely praying it. Why, why bother? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this is, this is good. I mean, these are, these are kind of the, I call them the guardrails of the faith, mm. you know, the, the kind of the, the, the precepts of the church, which we've talked about before on this podcast are kind of the, the guardrails of our, like, Hey, you know, at least go to confession once a year, mm-hmm. at least go to mass once a week, at least, you know, do something to contribute to the the well-being of the church financially and otherwise um at least go to communion you know, once a year you know it's like you're living within here uh you're at least not falling off the cliff yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh absolutely it's it's a great thing and uh for me i mean i still find myself falling short of the mark and you know going off those guardrails but at least i know that i have some like solid recourse Hmm. to get back there. Like at least there's a confessional and I know if I go in there and I properly examine my conscience and I do everything the way I need to do it, I can get back on the road. You know, it's not just this state of limbo where I'm like, I've been living horribly for a while and now I don't want to anymore. Now I want to come back. I want to love God. I want to do all that. 
but I don't know if I'm if I'm there or not. How do I know if I'm doing it? Yeah. Exactly. And this this is actually precisely what the sacraments are about. They're sure signs of God's activity. Mm-hmm. When I go to confession, I hear the words of absolution. I know that I'm forgiven. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to think. I don't have to, well, maybe, maybe I was you know, uh, so reverent, you know, that the Lord heard my cry. And it's like, no, I, I, I did what the church has instructed me to do the the church that was established by Jesus as the universal sacrament of salvation, the universal sign of God's love for us. So that when I'm, I'm there doing the stuff, I know I'm in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that, it's that kind of, you know, uh, you know, you said this maybe in the first attempt at this <laughs> recording, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, well, why do I have to do all this stuff? Why can't I just have a relationship with Jesus? And it's like, well, how do you know if you're having a relationship with Jesus if you're not doing this stuff? Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, most of our, our human our human friendships, I can kind of tell if I'm out of relationship. Either my my friend, my coworker, my spouse is, you know, giving me the silent treatment or giving me the stink eye. And I'm like, ooh. We're, I must have done something wrong <laughs> or hey we're having the greatest time we're talking deeply we're laughing a lot we must be I must be doing something right but God we we don't have that we we need help mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's oh that's that's great I love it um so so scripture played a part in your your journey as well and I think this is fascinating because uh, this is not, uh, this is not what I would have expected because you went to school at the university of Minnesota. University of Minnesota. Oh, so you're God. taking a class, a Bible class at the university of Minnesota, you know, super secular state mm-hmm. university mm-hmm. in super liberal Minneapolis. Yep. And, um, here you are reading scripture and saying, I, I want more of this. So tell, tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely the other half of my conversion, I'd say. Um, So yeah, uh, there was just something in me that was like, you know what? I want to learn more about scripture. I don't really know how to read the Bible even. A lot of this is just way over my head. Maybe I should take a class about it. So I took this class. um, And And this is an elective or something? Yeah, it's just an elective. I just had some This is in the humanities department or something? Oh, it's like a, they have a, an actual theology department. There's oh, really? just a few classes they offer. But okay. anyway, um, yeah. And this guy, is he a confessing Christian or is he? Just no, he, I did not know what religion he was the entire oh, yeah. class. He he didn't let it slip. Um, it definitely was not through a Catholic framework, though. It was absolutely just like a secular. Right. Just, this is an ancient book and we're going to read it yes, as itself. Exactly. Okay. Um, but a lot of the things that I was learning in that class just turned around completely my preconceived notions even as someone who had read all of these books before hmm. i was just learning so much from it i was like uh i i just never knew this and it's not compat compatible with my old faith at all well what were some of those things oh uh it's stuff like not taking the book of revelation 100 literally hmm. like growing up as a protestant it was just kind of assumed like okay revelation says this there's going to be all these things that happen and that is for sure what's going to happen and i was learning in this class well no not necessarily there's like a lot of coded language in here right like talking about the like even the political atmosphere at the time um 
it was just really interesting stuff. And I mean, that's, that's actually fascinating. I mean, if this guy has no faith and he's just coming at it from a literary perspective and saying he would be very interested in knowing what genre of literature you're reading when you read revelation, which yeah. is something that many Christians tend to overlook. Yeah. And say, well, well, this is, it's obviously this is what it's saying. And, and if you're, if you're a, a, a literature guy, uh, you know, you say, Hmm, I wonder what, I wonder what genre this is. You know, it seems like it's kind of poetic. It's kind of futuristic. It's kind of symbolic. And, and that's exactly what the Catholic church has always believed about it too. You know? Yeah. Oh, and I was so shocked too, because this was after I went to my first mass. So I was already starting to look into this and I sort of have a skeptical mind and I'm like, okay, well, if one denomination is going to say this thing, but there's all this like secular evidence for this other thing, I tend to go with the secular evidence. Um, but I went on like Catholic answers and pretty much everything I was learning in that class lines up with like Catholic doctrine. Hmm. So I'm like, well, there's something to be said about that. And, uh, yeah, it was just very appealing to me. Wow. Interesting. Any, anything else from the class that you remember that just kind of blew your mind? Yeah. Um, most of it was talking about words in the original Greek Hmm. being mistranslated or not carrying the full meaning of what they're trying to convey in an English translation mm, yes. and spending 20 or so minutes trying to get the heart of what that word means in the original Greek. Uh, and, that's, uh, that's awesome too. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's exactly, uh, you know, I mean, the, the classic example is the word love, mm-hmm. which in Greek has how many different versions do you remember? I don't I think there's four, you know, so storge, agape, eros, philia, and uh, in in English we have one, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so they would break down, you know, uh, the love of friendship, the love of spouse, the love of um, uh, love of God. You know, where we just say love. I love pizza. I love my mom. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I love Jesus. Um, and uh, it's it's characteristic of a of a language that what's important to you as a as a people. You have more variety of ways to describe it so uh here's here's an interesting fun example like uh take different foods so in america we have rice and it's just rice (laughs) you know you get a wild rice but it's still just rice um in asian uh cultures there's a lot of different words like there's a different word for the rice when it's in the field there's a different word for the rice when it's dry there's a different word for the rice when it's on your plate and in different ways that it's it's cooked and like the, like i forget how many different words um we have we have the same thing for something like uh pig hmm. in the field in the in the in the pen it's a pig on my plate it's pork or bacon or uh, uh brisket or whatever um so we have a lot of different different words because pork is apparently very important to us Mm. whereas i think in you know like a jewish culture for instance like no there's there's like one word and it's a dirty word you know you know yeah Yeah. but yeah like the words are the original language i think i think again this is this is where a lot of um uh uh, so, some some Protestant denominations can get just like totally 
uh, stuck on bad translations or there's certain denominations that King James version is like the Bible, the book that dropped down from heaven and has everything. And it's like, well, no, that's, that's a translation of, of something else. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a great translation at that, you know, it's a poetic translation. It's a beautiful translation. Um, but if you want to get to the heart of, of individual words might not be the, the best. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh it that's, was, that's great. It was such mind blowing stuff too. I mean, it was like these huge concepts, which I took for granted as a Protestant things like, like, as you said, love or faith was another huge mm-hmm. one. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. I wish I had my notebook with me, but yeah. anyway, um, it just, it would completely change the meaning of passages for me. Um, and yeah, it, it was very beautiful stuff and it tended, uh, well, it always lined up with what I found when I investigated more into Catholicism uh, and their views on it. So I wonder if he was actually a closet Catholic and he was like, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out and say that, but I'm going to make sure that I present this in a, in a way. Cause I mean, unfortunately at some of our Catholic universities, uh, I, you know, I did campus ministry and, uh, some of them come like, oh yeah, in my my scripture class, we learned that Matthew didn't really write the book of Matthew and that Mark actually this. And, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> great. So you're getting, you know, from the Catholic universities, you're, you're getting, uh, this is this is a man-made sort of thing. And then in your um, secular class, you're getting, this is how we read scripture. And I mean, like, this is, this is how we, I mean, really, he's just saying, this is how you engage literature. Uh, what's so important about that is just getting to the the human sense of that this is what this is what the church has always taught like first we need to know the literal sense meaning the the literary genre meaning the the actual words as they would have been received by the original hearers how they would have understood those in the original languages and there has been a real resurgence of this um in the in the last 70 years uh, I think Pius the Twelfth wrote a document that was really uh, encouraging um, uh, modern scripture scholarship and getting to getting more to the roots. Uh, and then, uh, and then Vatican II, the document De Verbum, also just really expanded on our um, uh, yeah, just like let's 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 take this a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. It's one thing it's one thing to pray with scripture, which is is obviously good, and it's another to study it. And when we study it well we can get to a point where like you're finding, wow, this word, knowing that this word means this changes the way I can pray with this. Mm -hmm. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 So you're, you're hearing this stuff. It's kind of blowing your mind. You double check it with Catholicism, which is kind of, you know, intrigued to you and finding, wow, this is, this is what they're doing also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was that in combination with the accountability elements and it was just it was just all very appealing to me uh and shortly afterwards there was some uh pretty nasty stuff going around going on just in my own home mm-hmm. and among my personal relationships i mean just like really evil stuff mm-hmm. um it it felt like spiritual warfare was being waged on me almost you know i i never was the kind of person who would say something like that being a fairly skeptical person for most of my life, but it really did feel that way. And uh, I just felt safest being at mass. And I was 
like from day one until my first confession, I was just so desperately craving a good confession mm. and my first Eucharist. So yeah, 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 beautiful. Just freedom from all of that stuff at home. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, so another another piece of the the story is that you're you were confirmed and brought into the church with your mom. Yeah. Which is which is just beautiful. And um yeah, so I mean, I, I would start seeing you, and we said, you know, you're gonna be Catholic. You gotta come to mass every Sunday, so you should come to mass. And then, uh, and then I started seeing your mom with you, and um, and then your mom started wanting to become Catholic. And uh, yeah, so how how was was that a neat neat to walk with your mom in that? It was fantastic. Yeah, um, we were like the whole the whole way there. We were just showing each other things that one or the other of us had missed and uh just deepening our understanding of it she was super into catechism in a year mm. all that sort of stuff and i was super into you know digging into original greek words and whatnot mm -hmm. and we'd we'd just cross-reference with each other and share with each other what we were learning and um it it always like without fail enriched what the other person learned yeah so it was yeah. great yeah. Oh, that's great. That's so great. Um, good. Well, and maybe I'll get your mom on the podcast at some point too. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun to get, uh, get her story too. And uh, I always think it's beautiful when at, at some point, I mean, I think this, this always happens where, you know, as children, we, we begin to influence and, and lead our parents, even in a certain way, you know, your, your mom raised you in the faith and, um, and now you got to kind of help her, uh, take her faith in a deeper, deeper way. And you got to do that together. Um, how beautiful is that? So, yeah, good. Well, any, anything else that, uh, comes to mind that, you know, is part of your story or you want to share with us? Oh, uh, no, not, not really off the top of my head. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So I, I, I think that it's always enlightening to have these conversations and uh, for, for us as cradle Catholics to get, get confirmation from uh, recent converts uh, is always, is always good to like, oh, the thing that I always struggled and hated about Catholicism is the thing that somebody else finds really helpful and oh if i can if i can just take a step back and oh yeah actually that is good that i have to go to mass on sundays mm -hmm. that, that is good that uh these these things e exist like i have to go to confession so i appreciate you sharing your journey with us and um uh helping us to uh yeah tap back into the the ancient practices of our of our faith that we can forget about mm -hmm. so yeah well thanks right. for having me yeah yeah and thanks everybody for tuning in and if you like these podcasts please share what share them because they obviously are are helpful to people and, and that's what we we want uh just to get people thinking and growing and uh being transformed in christ mm -hmm. amen